Hello and welcome to this latest installment of Barnard's on the NBA. I am your host, Matt Barnard, and I'm joined here by my son and co-host, Emilio. Hey, it's me. Yes, it's him. And uh, we're joining you uh, on this episode to uh, continue our 366-part uh, series where we explore the uh, NBA and ABA players born on each day of the year. And on this episode, we're going to be focusing on today's date, the day we're releasing this. You may have uh, been able to tell from the title of the episode. May 30th. It's May 30th. Uh, that's exactly right. There are 11 players who were born on this date throughout uh, NBA and ABA history. Uh, let's uh, let's dig in as we typically do. We're going to break it down and uh, create a uh, starting lineup among these players, uh, comprised of these players, uh, starting at center, uh, power forward, small forward, shooting guard, and point guard. So uh, without further ado, why don't we uh, jump into this, Mills? Who did you have at your starting center on uh, Players Born on May 30th? I had Rashu Nesterovic. Rashu Nesterovic, yes. He was my choice at center as well. Let's talk a little bit about this guy. Yeah, I mean, an NBA champion, and, I mean, this guy wasn't bad. I mean, solid NBA career, put up 11.2 points per game one year. I mean... 6.8 points per game for his career, 811 regular season games in his career, and um, 64 playoff games, won a title with the Spurs, and yeah, okay. Yeah, pretty solid. I mean, that, that title with the Spurs definitely as a uh, reserve player in the 2004-2005 uh, season. Not a big fan of that Spurs team. That was the squad that uh, beat my Pistons in the finals, but uh, definitely a uh, guy who, who played some minutes for that squad, um, yeah, obviously behind uh, the likes of uh, Tim Duncan in that spot. Uh, a pretty solid career from uh, Rosh Nesterovic. I mean, I always thought of him as a um, relatively low-skill kind of player for uh, an NBA player, uh, more just a guy who had some really good size. Uh, seven foot, 248 is his uh, listed height and weight, taken with the uh, 17th overall pick in the uh, 1998 NBA draft by the uh, Timberwolves. Started his career there uh, wearing number eight, stuck with number eight for most of his career, played a little bit with uh, number 12 on when he was with the Raptors for a period of time. But a uh, pr pretty, uh, pretty solid NBA career, if not a particularly momentous one. He's turning uh, 45 today, and interestingly, uh, from uh, Slovenia. Now, uh, looking forward to dropping this one on you, Mills. He is the godfather of none other than Luka Doncic. Wow, that um, that is a uh, that's pretty amazing. Right. So uh, that uh, pretty interesting, uh, Russian Osterovich, uh since uh, 2014, this is according to his Wikipedia page, has been the uh, Secretary General of the uh, Basketball Federation in uh, Slovenia. Of course, that's uh, uh, the native country of uh, Luka as well. So, uh, And actually uh, has, can speak five different languages. Pretty impressive stuff. I mean, I, I know a lot of times Europeans are able to speak more languages. It's more uh, necessary for their lives. A lot more people speaking different languages in the immediate vicinity of them. And uh, you, know, you can get by speaking you know, just one language uh, here in the United States where we're recording this. But, uh, yeah, pretty cool. I mean, definitely to be able to speak as many languages as that. So a good long career for uh, Rashan Osterovich, and obviously a guy who's had, you know, pretty significant impact on uh, on basketball. I mean, you know, by way of his uh, his godson as well. Yeah. Big time. Okay, so I, as I mentioned, I also had uh, Rashan Osterovich at, uh, at center. Anything else you wanted to uh, get into on, uh, on Russia before we move on? I mean, not that much, but, uh, yeah, a solid NBA player. Uh, definitely. I think, uh, you know, one of the more accomplished players, maybe even the most accomplished player uh, in terms of his entire career uh, that we're talking about born on this day. I mean, certainly maybe in the mix with one other guy. Maybe two. 
Okay, well, let, let's keep it rolling here and uh, and, and discuss uh, who you got at Power Forward Mills. Who do you have? I had Eddie Griffin. Yeah, Eddie Griffin, a bit of a uh, tragic story. Uh, you know, a guy who passed away at age uh, just 25 back in uh, 2007. But yeah, let's talk a little bit about his uh, about his career. Yeah, I mean, played with, uh, yeah, actually died during his NBA career, but um, played um, uh, 303 regular season games, 7.2 points per game for his career, and um, yeah, not bad. Well, I mean, I, he was a big-time disappointment, I mean, relative to where he was drafted. I mean, I, I definitely remember this yeah, seventh guy. seventh pick. Seventh pick, yeah. I mean, a guy who attended Seton Hall, really high draft pick out of Seton Hall. Uh, number seven in the 2001 NBA draft, and you know a, a guy who was uh, relatively local. I mean, uh, born and raised in uh, in Philadelphia, went to high school there, and you know Seton Hall, uh, you know college uh, in New Jersey. Uh, drafted by the Nets, and actually went to uh, play initially with the Rockets before uh, uh, playing with the Timberwolves down the end of his career. Uh, just 303 regular season games, 117 starts, and uh, pretty modest uh, contributions from uh, Eddie Griffin overall. I mean, a uh, field goal percentage that just it's totally unworkable. I mean, to thir- you know, thirty-seven point seven percent from the floor for his career as a uh, as a big man. This guy was 220. Uh, popped a few threes here and there. I mean, thirty-one and a half percent three-point shooter for his career. But uh, really, the story with uh, with Eddie Griffin is his uh, troubles off the court. I mean, un- unfortunately, uh, involved in uh, in a fight in uh, in high school. Um, uh, had, had some had some problems uh, earlier in his life, but uh, really. Uh, some substance abuse issues that uh, knocked out his uh, age 21 season, and then uh, you know really cut his uh, cut his life short. Sadly, uh, far too young at, at age uh, 25. So it's a and sad a car story. Crash. Yeah, a car crash. Uh, and yeah, I mean uh, Eddie Griffin, unfortunately, under the uh, yeah, I mean that's a, a, a tough way to go out for uh, for, for Ed, Eddie Griffin to be sure. And um, yeah, he's I think he's the best choice at uh, power forward for uh, for the uh, players born on uh, May 30th. But, did uh, you have him? I did have him at. Uh, at the four as well. Yeah, a guy who had, had a lot of uh, a lot of promise. I was definitely excited about Eddie Griffin upon entering the league, and um, you know, just a uh, relatively short run there. Uh, yeah. So let, let, let's keep it moving here, Mills. Who do you have at the three? Yeah, I had um, Harrison Barnes. Now this guy is um, I would th- I would say the most accomplished player born on May thirtieth, playing with the Kings right now, and interestingly was traded mid game one day um, from the. From the Mavericks to the Kings. Yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah, so he was traded during a game. Yeah, uh, for Justin Jackson and uh, Zach Randolph back in uh, February of uh, 2019. Yeah, which is like I never really seen anybody be traded during a game besides this. Uh, so by traded during the game, you mean that you like you were able to see uh, him being informed of uh, having been traded and like getting up off the bench during the game. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty unusual circumstance. It's true. Uh, did you hear that? I think I do remember seeing that at the time. I'm sure it's happened at other times through, uh, you know, NBA history. I've certainly seen it in baseball where guys have, like, you know, said been seen saying their goodbyes, like, in the dugout and stuff, like, during a game. A lot of times it happens, like, around the uh, the trade deadline, you know, where there's a lot more activity and, you know, players are much more fluid. You know, so some guys, uh, you know, get held out of games who are in trade talks, but others, you know, just, you know, continue to play or are surprise additions to trades or whatever. And, um, yeah, I mean, you see them uh, them reacting – uh, in real time, I agree with you. Harrison Barnes, the uh, most accomplished player born on May 30th, uh, he's—I mean—is he a really important part of uh, the championship team in a way that uh, Rashid Sturridge was not really. Uh, Harrison Barnes uh, on that 2014-15 Warriors team 
at age 22. And, uh, I mean, started every game on that uh, playoff run. Yeah, I mean, which is, I mean, very impressive. And, I mean, an NBA champion and made the all-rookie team, which is good for him. And, I mean, this guy can definitely put up some scoring numbers. And has a couple of buzzer beaters in his career. Absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, had a pretty good year this year with the uh, with the Kings. Oh, I would yeah. Say. Uh, really, you know, kind of reestablishing himself, I think, as uh, as someone who you could uh, expect to to deliver uh, offensively as a, as a primary guy. I mean, his uh, field goal percentage way up this year relative to where it had been, uh, you know, up over 49, almost 50 percent this year. And, um, you know, 39 percent on threes as well. So, I mean, you know, a really good shooting year for uh, Harrison Barnes and a guy who definitely, you know, kind of jumped off the screen as I was watching Kings games and, and highlights throughout the season. I don't know about you. Yeah. Uh, definitely had some uh, had some good moments. Uh, so he was taken with the uh, seventh pick in the uh, 2012 NBA draft by the Warriors. Obviously, that was a Warriors team that was about to really take off right there. Yeah. Harrison Burns uh, joining the Warriors for uh, two finals appearances after a really solid career at uh, UNC. He was a big-time prospect. In fact, the uh, number one rated player in his high school class uh, back in 2010. So, I mean, a guy who uh, a lot of people had their eye on as uh, as he was getting onto the college scene has his uh, uh, number 40 uh, honored by the, uh, uh, the Tar Heels uh, at UNC and uh, has worn number 40 at every stop in his career so far. Is his number retired? His number's not retired. His number is honored by the uh, North Carolina Tar Heels. I'm not exactly sure what the story is with that. We might have to dig into that for our uh, long-awaited North Carolina episode. Yeah. That's uh, that's going to be a big one. We're, uh, we're, we're building up to that. Jordan. Anyway, we're finally talking about Jordan. I mean, one of these days we're going to get there. But uh, yeah, a really decorated player in uh, in high school and college. I mean, a guy. Who, I mean, if you look at his uh, Wikipedia page, I mean, a guy who you know appeared on uh, first team and second team All ACC, was ACC Rookie of the Year, ACC All Freshman Team, Mr. Basketball USA. That's coming out of, out of high school, so uh, definitely a uh, very accomplished player and, and a guy who uh, you know has, has really made it work in the NBA as well. I mean, he's yeah. he's still only uh, only twenty nine today, so you know we should see some more from. Him. Harrison Barnes, guy who has really good size and, uh, you know, is a good enough shooter that you'd imagine he'll stick around for uh, for a while. 670 regular season games from him so far and 609 uh, starts. So Yeah, did you have him? I did have him, yeah. I, I agree that this is uh, this is the spot where I'm probably the best position, although he could play the four a bit as well. Yeah, probably. Um, so you want to go out to shooting guard here? Yeah, we should mention uh, just before we do that, I mean, he was on that Warriors team that uh, – that set the all-time record for uh, wins in a season. I mean, he was a starter yeah. on, on the 73-win uh, Warriors team. That is, uh, you know, a feather in his cap for all time. Yeah. No, no doubt about it. All right, so let, let's keep it moving here. Uh, Mills, who would you have at the two? I had Jeremy Lamb. Now, this guy has an argument for one of the best, best players on this team, and I think his most notable moment was his, uh, his check from half court. Yeah, so tell us a little bit more about that one because I mean th- this is really one of, one of the great shots ever hit in NBA history. I would say just from a like difficulty standpoint and like the yeah, guess the, game the ball and stuff. loses it. I, I think the down two runs goes get after it. It's at half court, just flings it up and it goes down off the glass. It was pretty incredible. One, I mean, you you must uh, look look up that uh, Jeremy Lamb uh, buzzer beater. We don't have to, but I mean you. I, I'm, I'm going to say, if you're listening to this podcast, you should probably check it out. If you haven't seen it. Yeah. I mean, if you have seen it. Even if you have, I mean, you might want to check it out again because it's really sick. Yeah. I mean, I did um, when I was doing research. And, I mean, this guy, 
a good player in the league. And, I mean, 15.3 points per game at his most. And, I mean, pretty good. Yeah, we talked about him a little bit on our uh, UConn episode, but uh, definitely bears uh, some further discussion here. Uh, turning 29 today, uh, the uh, 12th pick in the 2012 NBA draft. Uh, yeah, go check to... out our UConn episode. We actually have a guest on that one. That's true. We do. Uh, yeah, so uh, – yeah, solid, solid start to his career. Actually, began his career with the uh, with the Thunder, and uh, you know made his way to the uh, to the Hornets, and then uh, uh, most recently with the Pacers on, on a pretty substantial contract with the Pacers signed back in uh, the summer of 2019. So he's got one more year on that. I've always thought of this guy. I mean, I re- remember him pretty well from his uh, college days at UConn. Really, really good scorer. I mean, really natural touch. I mean, you know, terrific finisher. I know his uh, his numbers throughout his career don't really reflect that. He's dealt with a lot of injuries. Over the course of his career, uh, 517 games, 136 starts, uh, just 21.2 minutes per game uh, on average across his career, which I think really reflects like his fragility. I mean, you know, teams don't feel like they can play him a lot of minutes, but when he does play, um, he can really fill it up. I mean, you, you know, he's got a, just a great natural scorer's touch, uh, 17.7 points per uh, 36 minutes across his career. So I think someone who, if his body would hold up well enough, you know, could potentially give you a little bit more than uh, than he has actually in his career. Yeah. And a, a 34% uh, three-point shooter for his career. But, I mean, he has that up to, you know, o- over 40% this past season. So uh, definitely a guy who's still a major threat offensively and is only 20, uh, 29 today. So, I mean, maybe maybe we'll see some more from uh, Jeremy Lamb, even though he's, uh, you know, obviously dealt with injuries uh, over the course of his career. Yeah. So, um should also mention he won a title when he was at UConn. Yeah, I mean that's pretty impressive. I think that was with uh, Kemba. Yeah, that was that uh, a, a title game that uh, I've talked to you about lots of times in the past, uh, where they defeated uh, Butler, uh, yeah. fifty-three to uh, forty-one. One of the uh, worst played games of consequence that I've ever seen that that uh, Butler team uh, played that day. Yeah, well, um, Jeremy Lamb definitely a good player, and I mean pretty good. And uh, yeah, let's move on to the point guard. All right, let's do that. So, who do you have at the uh, point for this May 30th? Point? I had Dominique Presley. Let's get into it. All right, Dominique Presley. Yeah, I was choosing between him or Billy Donovan, and, I mean, I just took him. I mean, they're kind of similar. I mean, both not great, but, um, yeah, I think you can uh, – I think you can go either way with this. But, I mean, he was – played one season in the league – and I mean, put up 1.8 points per game. Yeah. Um, well, I went with Billy Donovan here. I mean, we we'll get to him in a second. Um, yeah, not not a whole lot of career from uh, Dominic Presley. I mean, uh, just uh, 13 games with the uh, Bullets and the Bulls. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't I don't really know what to say about uh, about Dominic Presley. I didn't uh, didn't prepare too much. A Boston College attendee, uh, 1986 NBA draft, a 99th pick overall uh, by the SuperSonics. And um, yeah, he played. He definitely played in the league. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, uh, there's not that much to say. <laughs> one, his uh, Wikipedia page also uh, very short. He played played on a bunch of teams. I guess we we can run through this a little bit. Uh, teams that he played on uh, throughout his career, uh, you know, beyond the NBA, the Albany Patroons, the Savannah Spirits, the uh, Rockford Lightning, Grand Rapids Hoops, the San Jose Jammers, Tulsa Fastbreakers, and the Lacrosse Catbirds. I mean, those are some cool teams to play on overseas. Uh, I think they're all uh, domestic teams in the United States, but they were in uh, other other leagues. I mean, uh, other than the uh, than the NBA. Uh, but yeah, unfortunately, uh, th- this is a 
discrepancy between uh, Wikipedia and uh, Basketball Reference, our two primary sources on the uh, podcast. He uh, passed away back in uh, 1997, uh, uh, you know, from cancer, uh, according to uh, Wikipedia. But uh, it's not reflected on the uh, Basketball Reference page. And since he's still alive, so I mean, this is weird. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, this is dead or alive. Yeah, uh, a major discrepancy. I mean, obviously, Dominic Presley, you know, not a guy who had a really extensive career. So, you know, maybe not a ton of attention on uh, on this player. But, hey, you know, we're, we're pointing out there. We're paying attention. Dominic Presley, I mean, basketball reference, like, you know, we, we got to get this sorted out. I mean, you know, it, it's important. Yeah. Dead uh, or alive. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. All right. So let, let's move on to uh, my point guard, as, uh, as I just uh, mentioned Billy Donovan, my, uh, my my point guard. Obviously, this guy very well known as a uh, as, as a coach, and we can get to that in just a second. But let's talk a little bit about his playing career. Yeah, I mean, there's not that much to talk about in his playing career. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, he did score 14 points in a game once. That's not bad, but he only played 44 games with the Knicks in one season, and averaged 2.4 points. And his Wikipedia page is cool. He's like. <laughs> yeah, there's a picture of uh, Billy Donovan as a coach, of course, you know, much better known as a coach. Uh, Billy Donovan, a Long Island guy uh, from Rockville Center, New York, taken by the uh, hometown squad, uh, the Knicks, with the uh, 68th pick in the 1987 NBA draft out of Providence, uh, just down the road from where we're recording this. But, uh, yeah, not, not much of an NBA career. Uh, wore that number one for the Knicks for uh, 44 games back in that 87-88 season. But, yeah, let's talk a, lot, a little bit about him as a coach. I mean – Remarkable run as uh, as a coach, both in college and, uh, and and now in the NBA, where he's uh, survived as an NBA coach for uh, for a number of years. And he's not bad as a coach. No, I mean I, I think certainly the, uh, the the most substantial thing you could say about him is that he's back to back NCAA champion. Yeah, I mean he is a very good coach, especially in in college and and in the NBA. I know we're supposed to be talking about his fine career, but in the NBA, he's also been a a pretty good coach, letting leading a not great Thunder team to the um to the playoffs last year and putting and forcing the Rockets to play seven games. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, he's he's he, I think he has established himself as a solid enough NBA coach, but uh, definitely uh, you know the, the you know it's, it's his his college work that's going to get him into the Hall of Fame someday. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, you really can't uh, can't can't argue with that. I mean, this guy coached uh, you know th those squads with uh, Al Horford and uh, Joe Kim Noah. I mean, to you know manage to get through the gauntlet of the NCAA tournament two times in a row. I mean, single elimination, back to back years. The odds are uh, really really stacked against any team doing that. And uh, yeah. to have actually accomplished it in this modern era with uh, players, you know, all over the place. I mean, I think you know people look back at those uh, UCLA days and you know, realize that, you know, it was only possible to have that kind of dominance because you had so many of the best players, you know, going to the same spots. You know, you didn't have, like, great players spreading out all over the place. And uh, you certainly did by the time uh, Billy Donovan worked his magic at Florida. And uh, and Billy the Kid. Billy the Kid, his nickname on uh, on Basketball Reference. Uh, probably heard that before. But, uh, yeah, terrific coaching uh, accomplishments for uh, for Billy Donovan. And, uh, yeah, he made my squad, but, yeah, not much of an NBA career, really reflective of uh, the uh, lack of players born on, uh, on, on May 30th uh, through yeah. NBA and NBA history. Do you want to uh, mention a couple of the players here? Absolutely. I mean, let's get into it. Let's talk about Evan Eshmeyer. 
I mean, not bad. I think he definitely he's better than the point guards on this team, but he's not a point guard. He's a center. And, I mean, 40, turning 46 today, played in the early 2000s. And, I mean, not bad, actually. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of players worse. Absolutely. 153 regular season games, 65 starts, uh, played with the uh, the Nets and the Mavericks, mm-hmm. uh, as you mentioned, uh, 99 to uh, 2003. And uh, was the 34th overall pick in the 99 draft. Uh, out of uh, Northwestern, guy wore that uh, double zero or 42. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, just kind of a functional uh, backup center type of uh, career that was uh, possible for uh, big men back in uh, late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. Wouldn't say too much more about him. But we got to mention uh, Brian Quinette. We certainly do. I mean, had the last name starting with Q. That's pretty cool. And, I mean, he um, he's a shooting guard. He's turning 55 today. I mean, so, hey, I mean hey. hey, that's great. Played um, three years in the league and um, was okay. Yeah, really interesting uh, stuff about uh, about Brian Quinette. I mean, this guy one time scored 20 points in a game. and He was facing Jordan. He was facing Jordan in that game. I mean, th- this was this was the uh, 91 uh, Bulls. This is April 4th, 1991. Brian Quinette getting out there off the bench for the Knicks. The Knicks, an under 500 team. Going up against the Bulls, Bulls starting lineup that day, Scottie Pippen, Michael Jordan, Bill Cartwright, Horace Grant, John Paxson, and you got this guy, Brian Quinette, coming off the bench, 20 points, career high. And leading the Knicks in scoring and leading and second most points uh, tied with Pippen um, on for all scorers behind – the one and only Jordan. Pretty amazing. I mean, you got to got to imagine, you know, in, in a brief career like this. I mean, what what a memory for uh, for Brian Quinette. Yeah. I mean, pretty pretty incredible stuff. And I mean, you think about it. He's a shooting guard too. I mean, he's probably like going head to head with Jordan at, yeah. at, at times. I mean, obviously coming off the bench, but yeah, pretty cool stuff. Jordan uh, put up thirty four in that game. Yeah, so Jordan probably worked him pretty good. But he was also wearing number twenty three for the Knicks. I mean, this is number twenty three. Where I mean. What a day that must have been for uh, Brian Quinette. Yeah. You got to love that for him. Uh, yeah, so 50th overall pick in the uh, 1989 NBA draft out of uh, Washington State. Uh, yeah, I'm turning 55 today. I mean, happy birthday, Brian Quinette. Yeah. Um, you want to mention uh, John Posley? I do want to mention John Posley. I mean, you just did, but I mean, I'm happy to get, come back to it. Uh, this guy, pretty brief uh, run in uh, actually, professional basketball, but interesting, I would say. I mean, Six rebounds a game, one assist a game, and two points a game in his one and only game <laughs> in the league. And he actually, um, I mean, per 36 minutes, that is 36 rebounds a game, 20, 12 points a game, and six assists a game. This guy's putting up a huge double-double every game. Well, he only played one game, actually, with the Pittsburgh Pipers of the ABA back in the 67-68 uh, season. I know. <laughs> one interesting thing I, I found about uh, John Postley here, he uh, he attended uh, Benjamin Franklin High School in, Pens- in uh, Philadelphia, but he didn't play hoops. He attended Bethune-Cookman College, but he uh, didn't play hoops there either. So actually uh, didn't play organized basketball uh, in either high school or college and still managed to play one game in the ABA, apparently on the recommendation of a legendary Temple coach, John Chaney. <laughs> How that came to be, I really don't know, but he ended up, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, he, he played it in, in the EBA. I mean, so which is not reflected on Basketball Reference with the uh, Wilkes Bar Barons, where he apparently led the league in rebounding, and uh, sadly uh, passed away from a uh, heart attack in a uh, uh, like amateur game uh, back in uh, 1970 at age 30. We've actually seen quite a few of these guys who have uh, passed away playing hoops post career. Yeah, very unfortunate. Especially uh, talking about Alec Kessler uh, just earlier, who uh, uh, had that uh, sad fate befall him. Yeah. All right, we got to mention uh, Chad Gallagher, our guy. Uh, I mentioned him uh, not too long ago on the uh, 55 uh, episode uh, that we did, or maybe, yeah, it was uh, or the Creighton episode, rather, uh, that we were talking about Chad Gallagher on. This guy, uh, one of the more remarkable uh, brief NBA careers uh, that there's been, I would say. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you're looking at his per 100 possessions, I mean, 34.4 personal fouls, but 103.1 points per game. No, no, per 100 possessions. I mean, I, I think if you really want to look at the, oh, yeah, the yeah. weight stats of it, you got to look at the per 36 minutes where he you know, put up 72 points per 36 minutes. <laughs> but all that accomplished by just uh, hitting all three of his shots in, uh, in, in NBA play, three for three from the floor across uh, two games uh, in just three minutes, uh, yeah, two personal fouls. So big-time career from uh, Chad Gallagher in the uh, brief opportunity that he had. Uh, he was a uh, – Missouri Valley Conference Player of the Year back in uh, 1991, and uh, played in other spots around the world as well. Aside from uh, that brief stint with the uh, with the Jazz, finally we have to mention the last player born on this date in history, Penny Early. Now I was telling you a little bit about uh, about this uh, this woman actually, who played in the league, and I mean, turning 78 today, still alive, and she like apparently was going to go play in the. Uh, she was going to be a. Uh, she was one of the first uh, licensed female jockeys in the United States. This is back in uh, 1968. Apparently, in protest, uh, male jockeys uh, refused to uh, run in races against her. So the uh, owners of the Kentucky Colonels of the uh, ABA decided it'd be a good, uh, a good idea. I mean, I guess from a ticket sale standpoint or a generating generating publicity standpoint, to uh, to sign her up to uh, play for the Colonels. And uh, indeed, that is what happened. She uh, signed a, a short term contract to play for uh, for the Colonels. Uh, had never played at basketball anywhere. Uh, just five foot three, 114 pounds, so the smallest person uh, I think ever to play in uh, the NBA or ABA. Smaller than Muggsy Bogues, of course, much lighter than uh, than Bogues, despite being the same height. And uh, she came in uh, and uh, didn't put up any stats, but did put up a personal foul, even though just not reflected on basketball reference. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, actually, it looks like she didn't commit a foul. She uh, just took the ball out of bounds and inbounded it. And then uh, they called a timeout right away, took her out of the game. But that was enough to uh, have her have checked into an ABA game. So the uh, – She didn't step on the court. Yeah, the smallest person uh, ever to uh, play in uh, NBA or ABA game. And perhaps the only woman. I haven't come across any others. Penny Early. Yeah. Uh, remarkable story. Yeah, and uh, that's everybody from on this episode, I think. Yes, indeed. Uh, that's uh, Those are the players uh, born on May 30th who uh, participated in the NBA and ABA uh, through the years. And uh, that's what we got for you on this episode. Uh, yeah. th thanks so much for listening. Uh, if you want to uh, get in touch with us with any uh, questions or comments you might have, you can hit us up at uh, barnardsontheNBA at gmail.com or uh, reach out to us at uh, barnardsonnba on Twitter. Yeah, and if you're looking for any other podcasts, please listen to more um, Barnards on the NBA or check out Favorites with Ava and Matt. Yep, we'll be back in a couple more days with uh, with another episode. Bye.